Is Donald Trump the loser of the debate in Milwaukee that he boycotted? If you're as good as you say you are, get your ass on there, answer the questions, uh, fight it out, wow. and let's, let's get it done. Well, Welcome to a special edition of Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm Patricia Murphy. And I'm Greg Bluestein, live from Milwaukee. And we're joined by our newest member of the team, veteran political broadcaster, Bill Nygut. Well, Governor Kemp thought that maybe Donald Trump lost this debate because he wasn't there. But I'm not sure it played out that way. We'll talk about that today. And I'm AJC Washington correspondent Tia Mitchell, ready to dig in on what we saw at the debate, particularly all the zingers thrown towards Vivek Ramaswamy. Well, guys, that was a debate that uh, there was a comment on Twitter that Eric Erickson posted that it was like watching a prison riot. I don't know (laughs) if it was a prison riot, but it sure felt like a lot of hand-to-hand combat to me. We are going to get into all of the details. This is Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, The Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And we're back with the Politically Georgia podcast from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Well, we had a full buffet of slings and arrows among the GOP candidates tonight at the Republican convention in Milwaukee. Greg Bluestein was on the ground in Milwaukee for the AJC. Greg, how, what was the feeling in the room before it started? Yeah, what a surreal moment, because right before the debate at Pfizer Forum started in downtown Milwaukee... Governor Brian Kemp goes on and basically says that Donald Trump is a coward for not showing up at the debate. And then there was high expectations. This is a, you know, it was always going to somewhat focus on the person who wasn't in the room, Donald Trump, of course, but it was also a high stakes moment for Ron DeSantis, for Vivek Ramaswamy, two of the other leading contenders. And then, you know, just the fact that this opened, there's a former president who's unquestioned frontrunner. The elephant who is not in the room, as Brett Bayer said, he's facing four criminal indictments. He set the report to Fulton County Jail on Thursday to be, in Trump's words, proudly arrested. And the criminal charges weren't even brought up until almost an hour into the debate. Yeah, we had at least two rings of a three-ring circus going on. Um, as you said, Governor Brian Kemp was a guest on the Ruthless podcast. That is a conservative-friendly um, podcast of four guys who were all wearing sunglasses and drinking alcohol that I could tell. <laughs> but it seemed to be a hey, listen. They got a lot of really a lot of big name guests, including Governor Brian Kemp, who had no role in the debate or the spin room, but he did make the trip to Milwaukee. And if we know anything about Governor Kemp, it's that there are no accidents in his schedule. So 
he went on this podcast and had a whole lot to say about Donald Trump. I think the Trump campaign's making a big mistake by not being here. Mm -hmm. uh, they are my loser tonight. Uh, I think, you know, being from Georgia, spent a lot of time in Atlanta, I kind of, I feel like they're in the situation the Falcons were in when the Super Bowl, when it was 28 to 3. <laughs> My God. <laughs> wow. Wow. But, and that's, but you that remember, takes pain for you to surface that. Well, you remember what happened, right? I remember You know, you well. get complacent, you get into prevent defense, you try to, try to start spinning all this stuff instead of just simply answering the tough questions like everybody else behind us is going to do tonight. I just think, like, if, if you're as good as you say you are, Get your ass on there, answer the questions, uh, fight it out, wow. and let's, let's get it done. Well, I mean, that's, just, that's just my opinion. <laughs> just my opinion. Get your ass on there. Bill Nygut, response? Well, yeah, I, I sort of feel, and, and Greg and Patricia, you know Kemp a lot better than I do at this point. Um, but I sort of got the feeling that um, Kemp has now got his Trump vaccine. He won re-election despite all of the abuse that Trump uh, laid upon him for year after year. And now he's sort of getting even a little bit, ratcheting up his criticisms of uh, Trump, who he says he'll vote for if he's the nominee. But I thought his comments on the podca this podcast were really hilarious, but also a sign he's not afraid to take big shots now at Trump. Well, and I think he's got kind of a big flashing red warning sign for Republicans. Continue down this road and you guys are going to lose another election after winning, after losing the last two elections. Um, I'm going to go to Greg and then Tia. I want to bring you in about the debate itself. Greg, what did you make about um, the governor's comments? I mean, that that's not a short flight to Milwaukee. What's going on here? No, and it was sort of a surprise, I and mean, I got wind of it a couple days before, but it, but it was meant to be sort of a surprise visit to attract a lot of attention. You know, we know there's still a lot of speculation about Governor Kemp's future plans, whether or not he I, I, looks at a national campaign or a U.S. Senate campaign down the road, but clearly he is promoting a forward-thinking vision for Republicans rather than looking back at, at 2020. That's been sort of his his theme of 2024. And we've seen him, you know, go from subtle rebukes of the former president, you know, shortly after his election victory to now outright calling Donald Trump a loser for not showing up at the debate. Look, he still says he's going to support Trump if he's the nominee. But I, I kind of see that sort of in the same vein that where he supported Herschel Walker, right? He didn't campaign with Herschel Walker, the Senate candidate, the beleaguered Senate candidate last year until the runoff. And even when he did, he he made it more about the issues than he did about Herschel Walker. So I, I think you're going to see this. You're going to see the governor and other Republicans sort of t t follow his lead, talking more about Joe Biden, the dangers of, of, a, of another term of Joe Biden, than you will hearing them talk about Donald Trump and their support for Trump if he remains the party's frontrunner. Okay, so Donald Trump, of course, was not in the room tonight. We did have eight GOP candidates who did manage to qualify for that debate stage. Uh, the... Scraps started early. A lot of heavy hand-to-hand uh, -hand combat, practically, between these candidates. And it seemed like the sharpest blows were between former Vice President Mike Pence and Vivek Ramaswamy. You got people on this stage that won't even talk about issues like Social Security and Medicare. I mean, Vivek, you recently said uh, a president can't do everything. 
Well, I got news for you, Vivek. I've been in the hallway. I've been in the West Wing. A president of the United States has to confront every crisis facing America. I will put our nation back on the path to growth and prosperity and restore fiscal responsibility, just as I did in Congress and as governor Mr. Vice president. and when I was vice president. But, yeah, I mean, we've hold on. Yeah, hold on. Was, you were named earlier. Vote. I'm going to get Vivek first. We'll get to public. Yeah, this isn't that complicated, guys. Unlock American energy. Drill, frack, burn coal, embrace nuclear. Put people back to work by no longer paying them more to stay at home. Reform the U.S. Fed, stabilize the U.S. dollar, and go to war. The only war that I will declare as U.S. president will be the war on the federal administrative state. So, Tia, the old and the new of the Republican Party, what did you think about that exchange? I thought it was so enlightening because, you know... Ramaswamy really did, a lot of people observed, he was like the Trump in the room. You know, that whole very um, conservative populist, you know, all the talking points from conservative media, um, giving kind of those MAGA Republicans what they wanted to hear and getting all the applause. I, I can't think of anything that he said tonight that if Donald Trump were on the stage, he wouldn't have also said in a very similar way. But at the same time, he also represents like the the populist idealism that isn't necessarily rooted in reality of governing. And I think that's what Pence kept um, pointing out is that it's easier said than done. Like even the line drill, frack, burn coal, nuclear, like let's talk about that in reality. You know, think about plant votal when you talk about nuclear when you talk about fracking and know that like even in a red state like florida fracking is like a non-starter off the border of um florida so it's just like a lot of this stuff is easier said than done but ramaswamy is not talking about he's not getting into the weeds with any of this he hasn't really expressed a plan it's just he's saying he's giving the audience the red meat and they're responding yeah, he got a lot of really strong response in that room, a whole lot of strong response online as well. He feels like a very online, almost Reddit candidate. Um, he also got into a pretty heavy scrap with Chris Christie. Here's what that sounded like. I had enough already tonight of a guy who sounds like ChatGPT standing up here. The last person in one of these debates, Brett, who stood in the middle of the stage and said, what's a skinny guy with an odd last name doing up here was Barack Obama. And I'm afraid we're dealing with the same type of amateur standing in the stage tonight. Come on, give me a hug. <laughs> give me a hug just like you did to Obama. The same type of amateur. And, and you'll help elect me just the, like you did to Obama, too. Give me that the same hug, type of amateur. Hey, hold on. Hold on. And Vivek Ramaswamy and Nikki Haley went at it as well. You cannot end it. You cannot start another no-win war. And I do not want to get to the point where we're sending our military resources abroad when we could be better using them here at home to protect our own borders, okay. protect the homeland. All right. First of all, the American president needs to have moral clarity. 
they need to know the difference between right and wrong. They need to know the difference between good and evil. Right. When you look at the situation with Russia and Ukraine, here you have a pro-American country that was invaded by a thug. Ukraine right. is the first line of defense for us. And the problem that Vivek doesn't understand is he wants to hand Ukraine to Russia. He wants to right. let China eat Taiwan. He wants to go and stop funding Israel. You don't False. do that to friends. What you do False. instead is you have the backs of your friends. Ukraine is a front line of defense. Greg, it struck me throughout that debate the incredibly uh, contrasting personalities, the um, kind of antipathy, almost anger toward each other, personal anger in some cases between these um, between these candidates. It feels a lot like the Republican Party itself. It's almost a metaphor for what's happening in the party. Yeah, I think this debate showed those divides in the Republican Party, not just over Donald Trump, who, of course, is sort of the leading, the, mo the most divisive of the candidates, uh, but also the front runner, but also over foreign policy, over, you heard it over abortion in this debate with differing views on where to draw the line or where to expand uh, abortion restrictions. You heard it over, over tax spending. And you heard it, I think, in a real big way in this in interchange we just heard over the Ukrainian conflict, over Russia's invasion of Ukraine, where Republicans stand on more foreign aid from the U.S. I got a text from one senior Republican operative who said, quote, and he's, he's neutral in this race, he said, quote, pro-Putin and anti-Israeli foreign aid is quite the take. Vivek is so anti-woke, he's become woke. Mm. And so I think to, to, <laughs> to a big segment of the Republican audience who's at least paying attention, um, you know, beyond Vivek Ramaswamy's rhetoric, and we heard it firsthand at the gathering, we saw that he really lit up the crowd. But when you kind of drill deeper into some of his policies, they are, um, they're, uh, they're novel, I'd say, among the mainstream Republicans, especially when it comes to uh, Ukraine and Israel. Uh, in curbing U.S. military aid to Israel. Yeah, and uh, you talked about that uh, differing opinions on abortion. We didn't see as much from Senator Tim Scott in this debate, Bill, as I thought that we were going to. This really felt like his moment because Iowa is looming out there in the not-too-far-away distance. This kind of felt like the time for Tim Scott to make a move. We didn't see too much of that, but we did hear from him a very emotional answer on the question of abortion. We cannot let states like California, New York, and Illinois have abortions on demand up until the day of birth. That is immoral. It is unethical. It is wrong. We must have a president of the United States who will advocate and fight for at the minimum a 15-week limit. I am 100% pro-life conservative. I have a 100% pro-life record. I got to tell you, though, we must fight for life. You know, that that was probably Tim Scott's moment in the spotlight, because as you said, Patricia, he was not really all that present um, as a, a participant in much of this debate. And of course, a national ban on abortion would is in keeping with all of his um, campaign uh, uh, standards, his ethics, his religious background. But here was what I thought was the most bizarre thing about this entire debate. The dynamics were peculiar. And here, let me give you some statistics, okay? So, the New York Times tracked time for each candidate. Mike Pence 
had 12 minutes and 37 seconds. He led in terms of time that a candidate spoke. Mike Pence, really? according to... Really? I'm surprised to, yeah. by that, Bill. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm not done. According to the real clear <laughs> polling average, Mike Pence is at 2% in the national polls. Vivek Ramaswamy had 11 minutes and 47 seconds. He's at... 8%. Chris Christie had the third most time, 11 minutes and 22 seconds, and he's at 2% in the real clear averages. Ron DeSantis came in fourth. He's the guy who is closest to Trump, although he's behind him by, you know, double digits, and nobody went after him. They went after Vivek Ramaswamy. I found that to be incredibly peculiar. And I don't know, to some extent, maybe it's the way the moderators directed questions, but we did not hear from the people who are registering higher up. And DeSantis, to me, sort of was playing rope-a-dope in this debate. He didn't really seem to want to be all that engaged in the entire debate. What did Tate to you? Did you feel that? Yeah, I think you bring up a, an interesting point. I kind of understand why Vivek Ramaswamy had so much time because the other candidates wanted him to have time because their strategy was like people need to actually hear this guy's thoughts and have him be pushed in ways he's not normally pushed because usually he's on like friendly conservative media channels and so and I think they were right because I don't think it's going to go over well in a general sense like yes the folks who are the podcast bros or like the Elon Musk ex bros probably love Ramaswamy, but he's very out of step with even like mainstream Republicans. But to your point, DeSantis not really making leaving a mark, Tim Scott not leaving a mark. That's curious to me. Neither one of them appeared. I'm sure they they practice really hard, but on the actual in real time, they didn't appear to have been prepared to kind of learn how to fight through the crowd. Tia, I don't even know if DeSantis wanted to make a mark, right? He's second in the polls. I mean, maybe he did, but he seemed to me to be content to take a back seat. You know, I, I, I was shocked that Pence had the most airtime of them all because there was times where I felt like Pence was kind of this, a bystander, but DeSantis, to me, was sort of a non-factor. I, th- I thought he wanted to come in and show that he was like a bull show, that he was relaxed, he was more comfortable than the robotic demeanor that, that his critics like to kind of foist upon him, that he was this regular guy. Instead, though, uh, you know, he, he kind of seemed just as happy that Ramaswamy was getting all the slings and arrows while he pretty much avoided, you know, he, there was a few tussles here and there, but he, he pretty much avoided uh, most of the attacks. See, I think that DeSantis had the least amount of time because the other candidates are not as worried about DeSantis. He seems to be um, in a little bit of a state of campaign chaos and even personal um, uh, wondering. It's it's hard to see exactly where he's going with this campaign. Um, I think that Ramaswani is on an upward trajectory very quickly up the polls. And I do think that, uh, Tia, to your point, if these other candidates don't start to flesh out what Ramaswamy is all about, he's 
it's going to be hard to slow him down. These things have a way of sort of um, taking on a life of their own. Somebody who I thought had a really great night was Nikki Haley. Uh, she's somebody who, when we saw her in Atlanta, I heard from a number of uh, people in the room and said, you know, I like Nikki Haley. I just didn't feel like she really, I didn't feel like I was looking at a potential president. But Tonight, I feel like because she was going up against Ramaswamy, because she was hitting him back so hard and so specifically and letting, in some cases, the men fight it out. And then she would step in and as almost casting herself as the adult in the room. I kind of felt like she did look like a future president for the first time um, in this entire process. We've got some of that audio um, with uh, Haley having uh, one of her one of her best moments of the night. This is exactly why Margaret Thatcher said, if you want something said, ask a man. If you want something done, ask a woman. She's not wrong, people. She's not wrong. Um, but Greg, I do want to get into, and with actually with the entire panel, about what we heard from these candidates about Donald Trump and about the indictments against Donald Trump. Because, of course, that is this incredible split-screen um, moment that we're going to have over these two days. Uh, the non-Trump candidates debating amongst themselves, and Donald Trump expected to turn himself into the Fulton County Jail Thursday uh, to be fingerprinted and have his mugshot taken uh, and uh, be under arrest. Greg, what did you hear from these candidates? Yeah, that question came about an hour into the debate from Brett Baer, who asked, uh, essentially, um, would the candidates on the stage support Donald Trump if he wins the nomination again and is convicted of a crime? And, you know, immediately, Vivek Ramaswamy shot up his hand. He, he is trying to be the Trump defender. He is trying to be... You know, he said the, the former president had the, was the best president in, in modern history and all that. Um, and over the next few seconds, and this is the scene that I think will be replayed over and over again through 2024, the candidates around him kind of shuffled a little bit. There is a, a little bit of awkwardness, but eventually Tim Scott, Nikki Haley, Mike Pence, Doug Burgum, the, the North Dakota governor who we really haven't talked about that much, and then Ron DeSantis, they all raised their hands too. Uh, conspicuously absent was Aza Hutchinson, the former Arkansas governor who kept his hands at his sides. And then Chris Christie was the most surprising one. He was like shaking his fist, sort of half raising his hand. But then he made clear, I'm not raising my hand. I do not support, I will not support Donald Trump if he's convicted. That was a, uh, I thought that was a remarkable moment. And I think Democrats are going to play that, that, that tape over and over and over again to show some Republican divisions. Yeah, Tia, there also was the question about Mike Pence. They asked the other candidates on stage, did Mike Pence do the right thing? And he got uh, some support, but not uh, full-throated support, especially not from Governor DeSantis. Yeah, that was so interesting. Um, initially, the moderators were like, you're not answering the question, Governor DeSantis. And he was like, I know. But then, you know, Pence said, hey, this guy should be forced to answer the question. And that's where DeSantis kind of said, well, you know, I have no beef with Mike. You know, um, that's not a ringing endorsement for democracy. But at least he said, you know, Mike is all right in my book. Um, but I think it gave Pence one of his best moments. And, you know, it almost you can tell there's a lot of emotion when he talks about that. I'm sure. I mean, when you know there's a mob that wanted to hang you, that's going to make you emotional when you talk about it. Um, but he talked about, you know, the fact that by law he couldn't overturn the election and he stands beside it. And 
he thinks anyone who's running for president should uphold the Constitution. Um, again, I'm not sure this is necessarily what Republican voters want to talk about or hear, but I think in general that was a good moment for him tonight. Yeah, and Bill, one thing that we did hear from Governor Asa Hutchinson was his um, his really clear indictment of January 6th and saying that Donald Trump did the wrong thing on January 6th and that should be disqualifying. And there were lots of audible boos in the room when he spoke out against Trump and how he conducted himself on that day. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, The two candidates on the stage who got the most boos from the room were Asa Hutchinson, as you point out, who for quite some time now has said that Trump is disqualified from holding the White House again because of January 6th and his other failings that Hutchinson talks about. And of course, Chris Christie, who is the most adamant in attacking uh, Trump, he was booed throughout the entire debate. And you know, that made me think about something. Um, The remarks that Governor Kemp made in a podcast in the, he was in the, the spin room, I assume, for that podcast, Greg. Had he said that... It was just outside Fiserv. Okay, okay, so, but had he said that in the convention hall, (laughs) he would have gotten the same kind of booze that both uh, Asa Hutchinson and Chris Christie were getting, which says something to me about just where Kemp will find his place moving forward in the national, among national Republican voters. You know, Bill, what's, what's also interesting there is that the governor still says he has no animosity towards the former president. He said, look, I, you know, I never, I, I, I'm not out to get him. He was the one out to get me. But look, we also know, <laughs> we also know behind the scenes, this is the guy who tried to oust him from office. And of course, Kemp got the last laugh, beating David Perdue by 52 points. But still... You know, this is this is the narrative that, that it will continue to shape Georgia politics. Donald Trump still has a grip on the Republican Party in Georgia, just as he does throughout the rest of the nation. Yet so does Brian Kemp. And so that clash between two titans in Georgia is really going to uh, make its mark in 2024 here. Well, we asked the question at the beginning of the podcast, was Donald Trump the biggest loser of this debate because he did not show up? Here's what Donald Trump had to say when he was speaking with Tucker Carlson earlier tonight. You see the polls have come out and I'm leading by 50 and 60 points. And, you know, some of them are at one and zero and uh, two. And I'm saying, do I sit there for an hour or two hours, whatever it's going to be, and uh, get harassed by people that shouldn't even be running for president. Should I be doing that? Uh, And a network that isn't particularly friendly to me. Well, time will tell if Donald Trump made the right choice uh, skipping this debate. He says he's also not likely to attend the next GOP presidential debate. Eventually, we assume he'll be attending some debates here. um, But in the meantime, he's really leaving the field wide open to his competitors. And I think tonight it was a good night and a bad night, depending on which candidate you were. Bill, who did you who were your winners and losers of the night? Well, I I think Trump was a winner uh, for the sheer fact that there was all this question about whether or not he could afford to miss this debate. Would he be attacked mercilessly for his record by the candidates who don't like him? It it didn't really make an impact on Trump one way or the other. As as for the people on stage, um, I actually thought Mike Pence had a very strong performance uh, tonight. 
Um, and and so do, I agree about Nikki Haley. She was the adult in the room in many of the exchanges. And so I, I think that Pence and Haley really did quite well. Chris Christie was fun to watch and listen to, but he's not going to be the nominee of the party. The Hall could tell you that. Tia, how about you? So I agree that Pence and Haley had the strongest performance tonight, so I won't repeat everything Bill said. Um, I feel like who's down is Tim Scott because a lot of people who want to see him win wanted him to have a strong debate performance, and I think he was too much of a non-factor. And I'll be honest, like, Doug Burgum, like, sir, I kept looking at him like, why is he here? He's... And, I, and I'm going to chalk it up to it's been a long day, including an unexpected visit to the ER. But he really, like, seemed so out of place. Greg? You might not see Doug Burgum at the next debate, and you might not see the other... The other also ran Asa Hutchinson at the next debate, too. He, he got booed some, too, but mostly the candidates kind of ignored him. Um, I agree with Tia that, that for me, um, you know, beyond the Vivek Ramaswamy as the who's down, Tim Scott, too. I mean, he just seemed like a non-factor through much of the debate. He, he wanted to show a sort of sunny demeanor and, and positive outlook, and that's cool. Uh, but at the same time, he, he kind of seemed like a bystander for key sections and and he, he let the spotlight kind of shift away from him. Um, who's up? You know, maybe I'm going to be counterintuitive, but Ron DeSantis, I know he had a lot to prove in this debate too, um, but he avoided a lot of those attacks. He, I, I came in here thinking everyone was going to just go after him, and he, I think he was quite happy that he was avoiding some of those. And I know, Patricia and I, we kind of differ on this, but he's still in solid second place. And if his campaign is able to reset and kind of move forward, um, I, I don't know if, how much ground he can actually gain against Donald Trump, given his commanding lead. But I don't think he lost any ground today. And I do think Vivek Ramaswamy will, will end up eventually losing ground as these polls, um, you know, kind of, kind of resettle the field. Yeah, um, I don't. I don't know what to think of DeSantis. I'm still. I'm still a skeptic, but I've. I have been proven wrong many times. Uh, so I think that Nikki Haley probably had the best night in that she has a ton of work to do in terms of making up. Um, for her distance in the polls. Uh, she's way down in the single digits. But I think a night like tonight would give donors a reason to really give her a second look and start to consider her as a serious contender and not uh, just a nice former governor. I think that she really was able to um, hold her own and then some. So I think it was a really good night for her. I had initially thought to myself that Ramaswamy didn't have a great night. He came out so aggressively against so many of the other candidates. In my mind, watching it, I'm like, wow, easy, easy up, Tiger. That's why are we being so aggressive tonight? Um, however, I heard from a lot of Republicans who said that's the energy in the party. That's what these voters want. That is who he's appealing to, and he's doing it properly. Um, so I think time will tell where Ramaswamy goes. And uh, so in terms of other people who had a bad night, I do agree that uh, Tim Scott uh, probably needed to do more, but I do think he'll get another chance in a future debate because people are really rooting for him. And then uh, Donald Trump, you know, on the eve of his arrest, 
you just can't consider that a good night for a former president. Um, but again, I think he'll probably manage to spin this to his favor regardless. Greg, because you were there in Milwaukee, give us some of your final thoughts from being in the room. We can hear you in the room right now. It almost, it sounds kind of like Antiques Roadshow to me. It sounds like you have a lot of people trying to sell their uncle's paintings or something. But I can tell you've got a lot of people in the spin room there. What's going on? Yeah, it's this interesting sort of background chatter and I guess the other selling antique candidates now. But Mike Pence just walked in. Um, Ron DeSantis' giant flag is over there. There's hordes and hordes of media uh, all interviewing, trying to get you know audio and video for the next few weeks until the next debate, honestly. But two of the best lines I heard uh, for tonight, one is sort of telling from Brendan Buck, who said, perhaps the biggest failure here tonight is nothing was done to make Donald Trump feel like he needs to participate in the next debate. You know, what, mm-hmm. what's the reason for Trump to want to show up after this? <laughs> you know, the, the, if there was no real needle game changer. And another one, this is, this is funny, Christie shut down Vivek so hard he now goes by George Washington Bridge. <laughs> that was a, a, a viral tweet uh, that might get some traction over the next few days. <laughs> okay. Well, on that note, we are going to wrap this up. Coming up on Friday's episode, we'll answer your questions from the listener mailbag, which you can call into. It's the Politically Georgia podcast hotline, and you can call anytime leave a message, and we'll play it back and answer your questions right here on the podcast. That number is 404-526-AJCP. That's 404-526-2527. Let us hear from you. Well, thanks so much for listening to the special edition of the Politically Georgia podcast. You can find links to all of the stories we talked about in the episode summary of this podcast. We release new episodes every Wednesday, every Friday, occasionally on Thursday nights after debates in Milwaukee or whenever big news breaks. We'll see you next time on Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants a rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. Our journalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution are working around the clock to keep you updated on all the developments surrounding the Trump indictment. Now the AJC is putting all of our coverage in one place with our new Trump 19 newsletter. Every Wednesday, you'll have our latest coverage and analysis on this historic case in your inbox. So sign up for free today at AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. That's all one word. AJC.com slash indictment newsletter.